Welcome to the Wrestling House Show. My name is Chris, and welcome to another mini episode of the Wrestling House Show covering New Japan Pro Wrestling's New Japan Cup 2018. We have reached show number eight in this series, and I have just finished watching the second half of the semifinals of the tournament. On the previous show, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Juice Robinson and moved on to the finals. And tonight, we will see who his opponent will be in that final match. It will either be Sanada of Los Ingobernables de Japón or Zack Sabre Jr. of Suzuki-Goon. And I'll just say right here from the start that the semifinal match, Sabre versus Sanada, was fantastic. I love the match. I think that the finals will have a long way to go to beat this one in my eyes. It was everything I wanted to see out of it and everything that I expected. And I did learn something. I learned that Zack Sabre Jr. has 7,822 submission holds. Or at least that's what he told me. Whether you believe what he says or not, that's what the man said. I believe it. I think he showed only a fraction of what he can do in this match. But before we get to all of that, I am going to talk about all the matches tonight. There were eight matches on tonight's show, seven tag team matches, and of course the one singles match, the semifinals match. This show that I'm talking about tonight on the Wrestling House Show, which you can find on cnjradio.com, so you can go back and listen to all of the episodes leading up to tonight's semifinal match. But this show did take place on March 18th, 2018 at 6.30pm Japanese Standard Time. The venue for tonight's show was Act City Hamamatsu, and it took place in the city of Hamamatsu in Shizuoka, Japan. And the attendance for tonight's show was 2,750 people. I believe that's close to double of the previous show and maybe a lot of the other shows. So that's a lot of people that showed up for this one and I think they got their money's worth. This did have a big show feel to it in my opinion. I think part of it was the venue. I mean I love Korakuen Hall. It's New Japan's home really. But this one did have a bigger feel to it. I think the venue was bigger. I mean obviously if they managed to get nearly 3,000 people in it. But I think the matches tonight also showed that this was a big deal. So I'll just get right into the matches. The first match up was actually another singles match. There was a second singles match on the card. I had forgotten about it. But it was a Young Lions single match. It was Ren Narita versus Shota Umino. And I liked it. This was one of the better Young Lions matches that I've seen in recent memory. And it was a lot of grappling. They spent a lot of time on the mat. There were a few drop kicks and things like that. But the Young Lions arsenal, the moves that they are allowed to do is very limited, and it's limited for a reason. So they all kind of have similar movesets, and Kevin Kelly was talking about it too. He was doing the English commentary for this show, and he was talking about how the finisher that they're allowed to do is the Boston Crab, and that's why in recent shows, when a Young Lion does get a victory, it's usually from a Boston Crab. And that was how this match ended, Shota Umino Won the match, he beat Rin Narita with a Boston Crab. But moving on to the next match, it was a Bullet Club team of Yujiro Takahashi, Tangaloa, and Bad Luck Fale versus the team of Young Lion Tomoyuki Oka, the former Young Lion Toa Hanare, and Togi Makabe. And I thought this was pretty good. As he usually does, Hanare picked the biggest guy on the other team and wanted to fight him. So he picked Bad Luck Fale, and they fought for a while, and Fale beat up on Hanare. Fale seemed like he wanted to fight Makabe, and that did happen after a while. It was it was alright, the momentum shifted a few times, there was a brawl, but it wasn't really terribly remarkable to me. Uh, it ended up with Yujiro Takahashi pinning Tomoyuki Oka 
after his low-angle DDT, his pimp juice. And I thought it, it was fine. I liked Takahashi. I've really liked Takahashi on this tour. He's really stood out to me. I think I've mentioned that before. I just wish that he had one of his ladies with him on these last few shows. Hopefully for the final show, Peter will be back, but we'll see. And that's kind of what I got out of this match, is I wanted to see Peter. But, whatever, I'll move on to the next match. It was the Suzuki-Goon team of Tai Chi and Takashi Izuka versus the Chaos team of Toru Yano and Tomohiro Ishii. And I really like this match. This was a ton of fun. It was very, very good, in my opinion. It was kind of a comedy match, but the comedy worked really, really well. Sometimes I kind of roll my eyes with Toru Yano because he does the same thing a lot. And he was doing the same thing in this match too. It was delayed a little bit. Yano really didn't get into the match, really, until pretty late in the match. But the things that he usually does, he did. And it worked really, really well in this one. Everybody was working very well together. Of course, I talked on the last episode about how Takashi Izuka is... He's the crazy guy. He's like the George the Animal Steel if he was like an insane Japanese monk kind of guy. He bites everything. And so he's kind of a comedy guy too. And Tai Chi can be kind of that way too when he wants to be. So it all worked really, really well together. One of my favorite sequences was kind of early in the match. The Suzuki-Goon team had kind of eliminated Yano out at ringside. So it was looked like it was going to be a double team... Taichi and Izuka on Ishii, they had Ishii set up in the corner, and Izuka was going to run across the ring and do a clothesline or an avalanche or something onto Ishii in the corner, but Ishii pulled Taichi into the way, so Izuka hit Taichi, and then Ishii managed to get Izuka to hit Taichi three separate times, all in the same sequence, while Ishii is hitting Taichi. So instead of the double team being on Ishii, the double team was on Tai Chi with his own partner as one of the guys attacking him. I thought that was great. That was definitely my favorite part of that match. I liked the whole thing, actually. Toru Yano's usual bit of hitting a low blow and then getting the pinfall didn't work in this one. But that was because Tai Chi just kicked the referee in the head when he was counting. He didn't. He had the option to kick Yano, but he chose to kick the referee Kintasato in the head as he was counting. So... This match was thrown out, and Yano and Ishii won via disqualification, but I thought it was great. I think everything worked fantastically. I would definitely, definitely suggest watching this match. It showed the personality of all these guys really, really well, which sometimes they get overshadowed because they're not the main guys in their stables. But I really, I've grown to like Taichi a lot more in this in this tour as well, just like uh, Takahashi. And then after the match, Tai Chi kept attacking the referee. He was kicking him up the rampway, up to where they entered the ring area. And he actually, he kept kicking him and he fought off one of the young lions who was trying to stop him. And Tai Chi dragged Kintasato to the back, so Kintasato was done for the night. And then that leads right into the next match. It was the team of Chase Owens and Kota Ibushi versus Michael Elgin and Juice Robinson. And Chase Owens and Kota Ibushi have grown as a team, I think. They're doing a lot of tandem moves at this point. Ibushi still isn't 100% on the same page as Owens, because Owens will go up for the Bullet Club too sweet, and Ibushi will go in for a high five, and Owens will try to explain, no, you have to put your fingers like this, and then we just kind of bump fingers together, and Ibushi still hand just completely up for a high five, and just high fives the two sweets, so it's it's kind of funny, and there's that kind of comedy between them, but then they do like good tag team moves as well. 
But Michael Elgin and Juice Robinson actually work really, really well as a tag team. Elgin was doing a ton of really agile moves. Some of the ones I had mentioned in one of the previous shows where he was doing like the, the blockbuster, the springboard blockbuster over the ropes. And he, he did a Hurricane Rana on Ibushi. It was a really good sequence early where Ibushi kept ducking and moving out of the way of Elgin's moves, like his strikes, and he was trying to grab onto him and stuff. So Michael Elgin just hit Ibushi with a Hurricane Rana in the middle of the ring. He was doing stuff like that. He did an Insiguri at one point. It was pretty great to see. Michael Elgin is one of the great big guys in the business, for sure. And then, of course, Juice Robinson is looking great on this tour as well. He ended up getting the victory. Juice Robinson pinned Chase Owens after Pulp Friction. And he hit it. before he hit that, he usually hits him with a punch. I think it's a left, actually. And he smacked him a good one and then just completely like spiked him with Pulp Friction. So it was a very emphatic victory by Juice Robinson in this match. And then next up was the Suzuki-Goon team of the Killer Elite Squad featuring Davey Boy Smith and Lance Archer versus the Chaos team of Yoshihashi and the Never Openweight Champion Hirooki Goto. And this was, I liked this match. I didn't like it as much as either of the previous two matches, but it was still good. It was very much a Killer Elite Squad match in my opinion, which means that they dominated the match a lot with their power and their ability to work as a unit. Yoshihashi did take the brunt of the attacks in this match, which wasn't surprising. Archer did not make a child cry in this show. I saw him, he went out into the crowd at one point during the match, and I, he, he was staring at a kid, and he was looking at him. I don't know if anyone told him to, like, <laughs> maybe not scare children that much, but he, he stared at the kid for a while, and then he moved on and kept spitting on other people, I think. But in the end, it was the Killer Elite Squad that dominated this match. They won the match. Lance Archer pinned Yoshihashi after a killer bomb. I don't think it was a particularly special Killer Elite Squad match, but it was good. And then match number six was Los Ingobernables de Japón versus Suzuki-Goon. It was the teams of Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, and Tetsuya Naito versus the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, teaming up with the leader of Suzuki-Goon, the Intercontinental Champion Minoru Suzuki. And similarly to the previous night's match where it was, there were a couple different like stories going on in here, a couple different feuds, it was the same here. Naito and Suzuki picked up pretty much where they've left off. And they did some of the same things on this one. Naito started off by frustrating Suzuki. He was doing his things where he would start to go in and they would fight a little bit, but then he would just get out of the ring. He wouldn't look at Suzuki before the match started, even though Suzuki was staring him down. It was that kind of thing. And Suzuki is seemingly getting more and more frustrated with Naito. So that is definitely leading to a match at some point in the near future. And then maybe to a lesser extent, the junior heavyweight tag title situation was touched on. But in the end, it was Naito that pinned El Desperado after Destino. So Naito gets a victory, but I think Suzuki is still just out to get Naito no matter what. Because Naito was, he spit on Suzuki again in this match. He did the thing where Suzuki had Bushi in a knee bar or a heel hook, I can't remember which. But he had him in a submission move, and so Naito comes in, and it was the thing where Naito just puts his foot onto Suzuki's head and just kind of rubs his foot on his head just to get him pissed off. And it worked, and Suzuki got up immediately and put Naito in a knee bar, and Naito took a lot of damage in this one. Suzuki kept going after him with a chair at ringside, even when the match was going on in the ring. Suzuki didn't really seem to care about it. He just kept punishing Naito with a chair. 
he was burying him at one point under chairs and barricades and things. So he Naito is obviously getting under Suzuki's skin. So that's going to be a great match when that eventually happens. And then match number seven, the match before the main event, was the team of David Finley and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chucky e. T and the IWGP heavyweight champion Kazuchika Okada with Gato in their corner. And I like this match. Of course, the whole draw to this one was, again, Tanahashi and Okada. And I liked what they did. They kept going back to just having the two of them in the ring. And then Chucky e. T and David Finley would be in the ring against each other. And there was a little mixing here and there. But it was mostly those pairings. And I think the match was fine. It was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as a lot of the matches earlier in the night. But I think it was fine. I mean, I could see where this might be going somewhere if Tanahashi does win the New Japan Cup. There's question as to whether he'll face Suzuki to get the Intercontinental title back or whether he'll face Okada. I see him at this point, after what I just talked about with Naito and Suzuki going at each other really hard, I really see if Tanahashi wins, if, if he wins, I think he'll go after Okada. And I mean, really, why wouldn't he? But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, of course, reigniting that feud would be fantastic. Those matches would be fantastic. But I didn't see that really heated tension there that I saw in Naito and Suzuki or some of these other matchups throughout the night. I did like the finish to this one, though. David Finley got the victory. I was really happy to see that. Finley pinned Chucky e. T with a backslide. It was, I like, I really like to see that Tanahashi was like, he, he was staring at Okada after the match happened. He was out on the floor and he was pointing into the ring and he celebrated with Finley. That was cool to see. And then as Tanahashi did his thing where he goes to the crowd after the match and he wipes his sweat off on their towels and gives it back and he high fives everybody finley was joining him in on that too so that was really cool but that all leads to the final match of the night the second semi-final match zack saber jr with his hype man takamichinoku versus sonata and as i said this was a great match what they started in the match previously the tag team match where i was talking about how it seemed that sonata was trying to wrestle a little bit of a Zack Sabre game in that he was countering Sabre's stuff and going for holds of his own rather than doing more of the the speed and the flying and the lucha style that he incorporates into his strong style. And that's how this match started. And Sonata was actually controlling a good portion of the first part of this match. He was frustrating Sabre quite a bit because Sonata was using a lot of leverage and his strength. He's a lot stronger than Sabre. And he was using that to keep Sabre down on the mat. There was an extended time where he had either a double wrist lock or he just had the hands clasped. And he kept Sabre down and Sabre kept trying to get up and twist out of it. But Sonata would just push him back down. And so that was a lot of the first part of the match. I really liked the pacing of this one because it was about 25 minutes long. But it didn't seem like that at all. And I think Sonata was comfortable being in control when the match was a little bit slower and where he didn't have to do, he didn't have to think on his feet as much. There were times when Sonata would be forced to release these holds. He would do a little bit of flying here and there. He did put Zack Sabre Jr. in the Paradise Lock, which of course got Sabre extremely frustrated and angry. But then when Sabre started to get a lot quicker with his holds, Sonata couldn't keep up as much, and that's when the tide of the match started to shift. And you could feel it, because Sabre is, when he's in control, he's always looking for something else. You can see it in his eyes, he's always moving and looking for something else to grab or to twist or to hold. And Sonata just couldn't keep up when that was happening. 
He would catch him every once in a while. He kept going for a TKO throughout the match, and Sabre kept avoiding it with different counters every time. And he did eventually get Sabre in the TKO and hit it. So he did hit some big moves just through sheer persistence, but Sabre kept finding ways to twist up Sonata. There was like a great sequence where Sabre was just up on Sonata's shoulders, and Sabre just pretty much twisted and crawled around Sonata's body, never touching the mat, and got him into a triangle choke and pulled him down to the mat. It was crazy. And so that was pretty much the gist of this match, was just watching Sabre being frustrated in the first part, and then starting to slowly get quicker and pick up the pace and start finding things to hold and grab and twist and turn. And that's how the match went. And Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Sonata via submission, Sonata gave up because one, he was in pain. It was another, it's another move where I don't know what to call it. Saber had one leg around one of Sonata's arms that was pulled straight behind his back. His other arm was pulled straight behind his back as well. So it was kind of like I talked about how the Rings of Saturn pulls a person's arms like straight behind their back. Wasn't that hold, but that's that was the end result for Sonata. And so Sonata was trying to reach with his leg out to the rope, and Sabre was positioned in such a way that he just grabbed his leg and pulled it back. So it was one of those things where I talked about where Naito, when Sabre defeated Naito, he just had nowhere to go. This hold was a lot more painful than what it looked like Naito was in, but it was another one of those things where Sonata had no leverage. He had one leg that could move, so he had no way to even pull himself to the ropes. And of course his ribs and pecs were being completely stretched backwards as he was getting his arms pulled behind his back. And so yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. is going to face Hiroshi Tanahashi in the finals of 2018's New Japan Cup. And I cannot wait for that match. I hope you join me when I talk about that match because hopefully I will be raving about that as much or more than I have been raving about this match. And of course, if you would like to join me and you would like to hear what I have to say about it, you can go to cnjradio.com, the home of the Wrestling House Show, as well as the family of CNJ Radio Network podcasts, including Rock Strikes 10, the show always guaranteed to give you 10 songs, no more, no less. The Synaptic, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative, and of course, my last leader on the left, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Go to cnjradio.com for all of those. Find our Facebooks and Twitters there and get in contact with us through that. Let me know what you think about the cup so far. And let me know what you think about these mini-episodes. Do you want to hear more of these when they have their next tournament? Would you like to hear them at that time too? Because that's going to be a lot more shows, but I might be willing to do it. But that's not for a while. We still have the finals of the New Japan Cup. And then after that, we have whichever title the winner decides to challenge for. We have that show coming up in the first week of April, I believe. So look forward to those on cnjradio.com, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.